Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. When we come here to Mark chapter number 6, we have realized already in the previous Sundays that we've been in this passage, we realize the context of this passage of Scripture. The Bible is, teaches us that Jesus is in His earth during the days of His earthly ministry. The Bible says that Jesus has been performing miracles. Jesus has been doing great wonders and great works for the Lord. And the Bible mentions that as Jesus ministered and as He did miracles and as He did the things that He did that God... I had called him and commissioned him to do uh, in his earthly ministry. We find that his works, the Bible in verse number 14, uh, calls them the mighty works uh, that did show themselves in Jesus. Uh, the Bible says that those mighty works entail of what Jesus is doing in his ministry uh, has reached the ears of King Herod. And uh, King Herod looks uh, at what he is hearing. He examines uh, the evidence of what he has been hearing uh, about what the Lord is doing in his ministry and he begins uh, in his mind to recall about an instance that he had with someone who acted a lot like Jesus did, who ministered a lot like Jesus did, who preached a lot like Jesus did and that man was the cousin of our Lord uh, by the name of John the Baptist. He heard of him and it reminded him of John the Baptist and the Bible says in verse number 14 and King Herod heard of him, heard of Jesus, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Herod is saying that the only person I've ever seen that uh, engaged in works like this was John the Baptist. And so it reminds him of what happened uh, when he encountered John the Baptist. And so we find in this text uh, that in verse number 15 through the rest of this chapter, uh, we find that as Herod heard of Jesus and examined the, uh, what Jesus has been doing and what he has heard, uh, that, that Herod, King Herod began uh, to walk down memory lane to the last time he had an encounter with John the Baptist, the one uh, that Jesus is reminding him of. And the Bible says here that he begins to walk through, uh, the, uh, walk through his memory of the day uh, that the Bible says in uh, Verse number 16, it says, But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. And so he finds that uh, he uh, is being reminded of a man that he had his hand, and it was by his authority that John the Baptist had been put to death. And so that comes to his mind, and we uh, have this passage in the Word of God that details for us an event uh, through a a memory through a detailed account of what uh, Herod was remembering about the day that John the Baptist was killed. And it is really the only true detailed account of how John the Baptist died uh, that we find in our Bible. This account, and it's mirrored in several other passages of Scripture. But part of this memory uh, 
is recalled in uh, the latter part of this passage, and that is verse number 27. And that is where we have been uh, really taking our thought out of verse 27. Well, the Bible says, and immediately the king, immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he, and, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. And so we noticed last week how John uh, the Baptist was killed by the command and the sending forth of an executioner that was done by the words of King Herod. And we saw that as King Herod did this, uh, we began to notice how one of the greatest voices for God, when uh, Herod sent that executioner, as the executioner came and got John out of his prison and brought him before the executioner, and the executioner beheaded him in the prison, we found that one of the greatest voices for God was forever silenced. And so we've been looking through this passage of Scripture and noticing the silenced voices of this text. We saw the silenced voice of the preacher that when John was uh, when John was beheaded and was killed, that great preaching voice that preached, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world was silenced. That great preaching voice that said, He must increase and I must decrease was silenced. The one that said that He was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, the one that God had sent to make a pathway for the ministry of the Lord Jesus. That wonderful preaching voice was silenced to preach no more, to bring no more messages. And we encouraged us that we have a message to preach. We have a, we have a gospel to share. And we need to make sure that we share it before, like John, our voices are silenced. And then in John also we saw the silenced voice of the pardoned. How John was not only a preacher, but he was a Christian first. And he shared the truth of the Word of God uh, before he left this world. Just as you and I are too. Not because we've been called to some point in ministry or some position in a church, but because we are believers. Because we are Christians. Because we know the Lord Jesus as our Savior. But then last week we began to look at this third voice uh, that we find. And it's not found in John as the other two were, but it's found in the rest of the characters of our text. It's found in King Herod. It is found in uh, Herodias, uh, King Herod's wife. It's found in Herodias's daughter uh, in this text. And we find in these three individuals, not the voice of a preacher being silenced, not the voice of a, pardon, a person that has been pardoned being silenced, but we find the voice of the perishing being silenced. These individuals in the text, John, we find, is the only one that is mentioned that has been born again. And he lived the course of his life and used his voice declaring the truth of God as any born again person should. But with the rest of these characters, there is no biblical evidence that they ever knew the Lord as their Savior. And so we've been noticing in the, this voice of those that are perishing that was silenced by death in this text, we have noticed these voices of the perishing that are need to be noted this morning. Notice number one, we saw last week that in Herod, we saw the perishing voice of a convicted sinner. Notice with me verse number 20 this morning. The Bible says, For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and an holy, and observed him, and he heard him, and did many things, and heard him gladly. Think about verse number 16, where the Bible says in verse number 16, But when Herod heard it, 
uh, or when, excuse me, when Herod thereof, uh, when Herod heard thereof, he said, it is John, notice these words, whom I beheaded. In that phrase, whom I beheaded, in verse number 20, where the, where the Bible said that he feared John. In those statements, we find statements of truth concerning the conviction that Herod was under because of his sin. We noticed last week that conviction is seen in the life of Herod uh, because uh, conviction uh, comes from a full, a divine full disclosure. You say, preacher, what does that mean? In verse number, uh, in verse number uh, 16 he said it is John whom I beheaded that phrase whom I beheaded lets us know that years after he had called for the execution of John the Baptist years after he was still remembering his sin and I believe as Psalm 51 told us about David I believe that Herod's sin was ever before him I don't think that you can kill a God's man like Herod killed John the Baptist and get away from it and friend can I tell you this when you commit sin uh, friend you will never be able to get away from it until that sin is put under the blood and you give the guilt of it to Jesus and you give the punishment of it to Jesus and you lay all of that on him and let him carry it. It's not that when we sin that we're guiltless, but it is, is that there is one that bore the guilt so we wouldn't have to. And I think there's many people in our churches today, there may be somebody here in Beacon Baptist Church this morning, that you're carrying the guilt of sin that God never intended for you to carry. You are late, you are heavy laden with the, 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 with the punishment and the guilt of your bad choices, of your wrong choices, of your sinful deeds, and you and your life are walking and living under a heavy load of sin that you ought to be you ought to give to Jesus today amen, amen. let me tell you what's what conviction does and we do see conviction in this passage in the life of Herod and by the way Herod in our Bibles we never outside of this moment of conviction as I said before we find no instance in the rest of Scripture that gives any indi any indication that when Herod's voice was silenced by the grave when he left this world that he left as being more than a convicted sinner he never left as a changed person. He never left as a converted person. He never left as someone that uh, had placed their uh, guilt and of sin upon Jesus and been born again. No, he died as a sinner unchanged, but yet convicted. And there's many of you in this building today that if your heart were to stop and you were to leave this world today, yes, you've been under conviction. Yes, God's been dealing with your heart, but there's been no repentance. There's been no change. There's been no prayer to ask God to save you. You've just stayed in that conviction. You've tried to ignore it all you can. And you will leave this world as Herod did, as a convicted sinner. And if you're not careful, if you don't give your heart and life to Jesus, you don't want to all that you'll ever be, the closest that you'll ever get to salvation. The last thing you'd want to, to happen in your life is the closest you get to salvation is just being convicted of the need of being born again. We find that it is a full, a divine full disclosure because God was not keeping anything from Herod. God kept his sin before him. That that sin might become exceedingly sinful and draw him to the place to where he realizes that he must be 
born again. We saw last week that what God, when God gives you a full disclosure concerning your sin, conviction will come with a guilty verdict. The Bible teaches us that God will let us know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That there is none righteous, no, not one. And the gavel of God's verdict will come down and let all the world know that we're guilty before God. That's what conviction is. Number two, let me give you this one this morning. No, conviction is not only a guilty verdict. When God gives the full disclosure about where you are in your life and with your sin before God, not only... Will He give you a guilty verdict letting you know that you're a sinner? But I believe when He convicts you, He will also give you reproof that comes from light. Look with me please this morning at John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3 this morning. I think almost everybody in here knows the passage here in John chapter number 3. Knows what's being dealt with here in John chapter number 3. And we, we mentioned this verse last week to deal with the fact that God lets us know that we're guilty. In John 3.16, we find a guilty verdict where the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. That should not perish lets us know there's some that are perishing. And the reason why they are is because they have not believed. The Bible says, verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. The guilty verdict has, been, has come down. We are guilty, not because of what we've done, but because of who we are and who we chose as a sinner not to believe in. Can I tell you the only sin that you will go to hell for? It's not drinking. It's not smoking. It's not carousing. It's not fornication. It's not adultery. It's not living a partying lifestyle. Those are not the sins that you'll go to hell for. There's only one, the sin of unbelief. If you do not believe Jesus Christ, if you do not trust Him, you will die and go to hell. I'm not saying that because it's comfortable to say. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to scare these children into making some profession so we can say we had so many saved this morning. I'm letting you know that's the truth, friend. And I love you enough to tell you the truth. Amen. I wouldn't trust anybody that wouldn't tell me the truth. Amen. When I go to the doctor, I don't want the doctor to tell me I'm doing good when I'm sick. Amen. If I've got cancer in my body, I want to know. I don't want the doctor to tell me that I'm, oh, I'm all right. Amen. So why in the world would you expect a preacher to tell you when we're full of sin sickness and God has declared that we are sin sick? Why would you want God's messenger to tell you any otherwise? Amen. Notice verse number 19 with me. Remember, I said that conviction is not only a guilty verdict, but conviction is reproof. It is reproof from the Lord that comes from light. Notice what he says, verse 19. And this is the condemnation. Notice he said that in verse 18, that he that believeth on him is not condemned. Note the word condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned. Note the word condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He says that if you believe on him, you're not condemned. But if you don't believe, you're condemned already. Here's what he says the condemnation is. This is the condemnation. The condemnation that I came in the world with and that I lived every day of my life as a lost sinner with. He said this is the condemnation that light, notice this, is 
come. You see that ever-present word is. I believe that light is looking at these disciples in their face. I believe that as, uh, as, uh, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, I believe that Jesus is the light that is speaking to Nicodemus. He did not say the light came into the world as if it came into the world in past tense. But he said light is come. And aren't you glad that because Jesus came in this moment, he was there in the flesh and he is come. But aren't you glad that even though uh, Jesus came 2,000 some odd years ago, that because He is alive today, He is still come as the light of the world. Amen. The Bible. By the way, can I say this? I thank God for my King James Bible. Amen. That says that Jesus is come in the flesh. Amen. He is come, which means He still is. Every other version outside of that King James Bible says that He was come in the flesh. That He had come in in the flesh. Can I say this? Jesus is not a was. Jesus is not a has been. But Jesus is a is. Amen. He is come in the flesh. That light, notice this, verse 19, is come into the world. Here's your condemnation if you're not saved. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why do people reject the light of Jesus Christ? Why do people reject the light of the Word of God? Why do people reject Jesus as their Savior who the Bible declares on numerous occasions is the light? Why would a man, woman, boy, or girl ever reject somebody as wonderful as Jesus? The Bible says it's because light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light. Why would you choose darkness rather than light? I'm telling you, you're looking at somebody that doesn't like darkness. I don't like physical darkness. Amen. And I'm telling you something a lot more scary than physical darkness is spiritual darkness. The Bible says that men reject Jesus because they love darkness. They love a life that's dark. They love deeds that are dark. The Bible says in the next verse, notice what your Bible says. The Bible says here in the next verse, the Bible says for every, uh, note it, well, verse 19 at the end of the verse, he said for men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Amen. Verse 20, for everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Why? Uh, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Let me tell you this morning, I do my best as a pastor of this church to give you bright light preaching. I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about bright in terms of fun and happy and joyful all the time, but I will tell you that I do not do anything in my ministry. I do not preach one message that will, will I try my best not to give you anything, uh, anything of darkness. Amen. I don't believe in our lives we ought to glorify the devil. If Jesus is the embodiment of light, then the devil is the embodiment of darkness. I don't think we ought to, I don't think we ought to glorify the devil. Amen. And I don't know how you do things, but I'm going to preach this just while I'm here. That's one reason why me and my family don't do Halloween. Amen. It glorifies darkness. It glorifies evil. It glorifies Satan. Amen. I know that would hurt, but amen goes right there. Amen. A believer should never do anything that glorifies the devil. And if you do, as a believer, can I tell you this? You are engaging in darkness. Why do we not like to hear hard preaching at church? Because it turns the light on. 
Amen. Why does a sinner not want to be told about how Jesus saves? Why does a sinner out on the street not want to be given a gospel track or to have somebody witness to them about the life-changing, soul-converting power of the Spirit of God? Why do they not want to hear that? Because they love their darkness. They love their sin. They would choose their sin over the Lord. They would choose their sin over the house of God. They would choose their sin over, uh, over heaven. Can I tell you, parents, if you live a life loving darkness rather than light and not wanting to be reproved by the light, guess what your children will do? They'll love darkness as well. They'll love their sin just as much or more than you do. Everything in the, in the Bible, I believe, teaches this on every page that deals with parenting. I believe the Bible teaches us that what the fathers do in moderation, the sons will do in excess. Amen. If you love darkness and you straddle a fence into the things of the world and the things of God, don't be surprised when your babies go headlong to the devil's crowd. Headlong into the things of the world. What is conviction in the life of a saint and in the life of a sinner? It is reproof that comes from light. The light turns the light cut, turns a light on the darkness. It lets you know how filthy you are. It lets you know where things need to be corrected. It lets you know where you need to get right with God because the, and I, I, I did this illustration in in the in the Sunday school class. We were back there in that classroom and I was talking about how our how our group could be a light in a dark world. And I asked one of the one of the fellas to cut the light off. And then in a room that had that big light in the top of the room, I cut my, my, my desk lamp on. Just a little bit of light. And I told them that they could be a light in a dark world because light automatically is part of light's nature. It will dispel the darkness. Can I tell you, that's what Jesus does everywhere. He's welcome. Amen. If you have Jesus in your heart, He will let you know time and time again when there's darkness in your heart that it needs to go. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. If the light is turned on, the darkness must flee. Can I tell you, there's a whole lot of believers today, people that claim the name of Christ, that accept darkness in their life, and they try to live, uh, they try to live out the days of their life trying to make darkness and light coexist together. One will have the victory. You can let the light be on top, or you can shut the light off in every area of your life. Friend, I'm not telling you not to come to church, but I'm telling you, if you do come to church, you will hear some light, and there's many people in this congregation over the two years that I've been the pastor here, I have seen it time and time again, as some of you will hear light, and the light will be cut on in areas of your life that I know that you are living in darkness, and I will turn the light on, and the Holy Ghost will use the message to turn the light on, just enough for me to watch you the next day, or even the same day, and cut the lights off. You will choose whether you'll, light, you'll let the light rain or not. That's what conviction is. Here in Herod's life, John was used to cut the light on in the darkness in Herod's life. Notice what the Bible says. Go back with me to Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6. Go with me there this, evening, this morning. <clears throat> Remember verse 16 told us that conviction is a divine full disclosure. Let him know about his sin. Notice what the Bible says here. Not only is it a divine full disclosure in the fact that it, it illuminated his sin, it gave him a guilty verdict, but I believe it also that it is reproof that comes from light. Notice what he says. 
Notice what the Bible says in verse number 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and, and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Notice the Bible says that he, he, notice he said that he heard him because he knew that he was a just and holy man. But notice this, I find this word observed to be very interesting. The word observed there in the Bible means to keep closely together. It means, that, it means uh, to keep closely together. That is by implication to conserve from ruin. It means to mentally to remember. It means to obey. It means to keep, observe, or preserve. In other words, when the Bible said that Herod observed John, it meant more than just he watched John. But it meant that he committed the deeds of John the Baptist to memory. And he committed who John was as a person, as a Christian, to his memory. He downloaded that to the bank of his mind that this is a holy man and this is, uh, what was the word? This is a holy man and this is a just man. He said, this is a holy man. This is a man that lives for God. He's clean. He's morally, uh, he's morally set apart. He's morally purified. And then a just man just means that he's not going to do you wrong. Herod had in his mind that he knew that John would not say anything or do anything to hurt him. That's what just means. He would not, he knew when he heard what John spoke, that's good for me. He knew when he saw the way John lived, that life would be good for my life. John's not telling me what he's telling me to hurt me. He's trying to help me. The word also carries the idea of remembering in order to conserve or preserve. John, um, I, excuse me, Herod knew that if he did what John did, and he lived the way that John did, and he, and he let work in him what was working in John, he knew it would preserve his life. He knew that it would conserve him, that it would secure him from hurt from pain, I believe even from destruction. You say, preacher, what is conviction? It is God letting you know that, the, that in the Word of God, there's nothing here that's going to hurt you. Letting you know that you need what's in this book. This book is light. This book is not darkness. And when conviction comes in your life, God the Holy Ghost is tenderly speaking to your heart. And I believe every person that's under, the, under conviction knows that they need what they find in this book. Notice what the Bible says also. He's, the Bible does say that he observed him. I believe that Herod was watching John. I know it's a cliche in our day, but I believe with all of my heart that you and I as Christians may be the only Bible some people ever read. Amen. They're not going to read uh, the Word of God in terms of the printed pages. And one thing I have found out about the world we live in, most people don't read anymore. Amen. You may not, you may not read your Bible. You may not read books. You may not be a reader. There was a time when the pastime of this nation was reading. 
Amen. When children were taught, uh, even with fiction books, that you can open up a book and be transported to another world. Amen. When I, read the, when I read the Word of God, Brother William, I try to imagine myself in Judea. I try to imagine myself in Galilee. And when I do, the Bible speaks to me in a special way when I do that. I can be transported to another world by reading the Word of God. Most people in this day don't read anymore, but can I remind you, the Bible still says that you and I, are, until the Lord comes, until He comes back to get us, part of our ministry is to give ourselves to reading. Amen. Most people don't read the Bible. But I tell you what, some people will read because it's a whole lot easier to them, a whole lot more, uh, whole lot more uh, appealing to their flesh than to read words on a page out of a book that's over, over 4,000 years old. You know what they will do? They'll read and they'll observe and they'll study not the words on the page, but how you and I observe and live and engage ourselves in the words on that page. If you're a Christian, God expects you to live your Christianity in front of a lost and dying world. The Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Not to earn our salvation, but God has worked salvation in, and you and I through our works ought to work it out. Let it be more than just something in our heart, but let it be something in our day-to-day -day walk. Amen. The Bible said that Herod observed John, and John's very life lived for God. Turned that you was reused to bring conviction to Herod, to be reproof to Herod, and to turn the light on to the darkness in Herod's life. I wonder, preacher, I wonder if the reason why more souls aren't coming to know Jesus is because Christians aren't living it in front of them. Right. I believe it was brother. I believe you quoted this to me that brother brother Barry Rackley made the statement that one one reason why he believes more people don't become Christians is because it looks like our Christianity is killing us. Amen. Are you excited about being a Christian? Amen. Are you thankful to know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? Has it become more to you than just a standard of doctrines and teachings and words in an ancient book? Is your Christianity more than just a place you come? But is it something that has worked out of your life with faithful fervor and with excitement and zeal? Can I say this this morning? I want to go on record and say it is a joy being a Christian. It is a wonderful blessing to be able to know Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to close with this. Recently, I spent some time praying to the Lord. And uh, I asked, and I don't ever do this. I don't know why, Brother Lewis, I don't know why I felt led to do this. I think just because the Lord just wanted to show me how powerful He is. I have never done this in the course of my entire life walking with God because I know how silly it is. But I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to kneel here to pray. And I've got my Bible in my hand. And I believe we ought to go with our Bibles in our prayer closets. And I said, Lord, I don't know what passage in this verse you want me to claim on my knees in prayer this, this evening. I don't know what verse you want me to claim, but I've been telling your people at the church, week in and week out, get a verse. I've been telling them teens, get a verse, get a verse. God, I want you to give me a verse just to claim back to you. And I said, Lord, I'm going to open this. I'm going to close my eyes and open this. I've never done this. I'm going to close my eyes and open this Bible up. And Lord, the first verse I see, I'll claim for your honor and your glory. You want to know what that verse was? 
I'll read it to you. The first verse I saw was here. Here's what the Bible says. Let me find it. Here's the verse. Matthew 6, 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And the, I, went into, I went into my prayer closet to pray. And I had some things I needed from the Lord. And I said, God, I'm going I'm to take you at your word. Whatever verse you want me to claim. And he said, when you pray, and he enter in your closet, pray to thy Father which seeth in secret, and the Lord shall reward thee openly. I'm telling you, church, we need to get back to living the life that we say that we live. We need to get back to praying that the Lord would help us to be, to be more to be more than just words, be more than just thoughts, to be more than just ideals, but to be true actions in our life. There are people that will die and go to hell if we do not live a consistent Christian life. I'm telling you, church, I've said it and I've said it and I've said it again. Get you a verse. God put it on my heart. Make it more than words. You go in your prayer closet and get you a verse and claim it back to God. When was the last time we prayed that God would let us truly live out in our Christian life what we say we believe, what we say that we, that we truly trust in in front of a lost and dying world? It's reproof. Is your life reproving anybody by the light they see in you? If we are the only Bible some people ever read, how much will they get out of your life? A word? A verse? A chapter? A book? Or will your life be a true testimony to the life-changing power of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, Herod needed John. I wonder this morning how many Johns are we going to have in this church this morning? How many of you will find your place on an altar? You're already, whatever your name is, the Baptist. Amen. Why don't you say, God, make me like John the Baptist and help me be someone that the world can observe. And it, John, I don't believe Herod got saved, but I do, and I'll, t I'll preach more of that later. But Herod did get under conviction. John could not help, could not force Herod to get saved or not. But what John did, he could choose whether his life could be used to convict Herod or not. You have the choice this morning to say, God, make my life a life of conviction. A life that is filled with light so those living in a dark world can see my light. And, and let, me, let me remind you of this verse. Here's what Jesus said. Let your light so shine before men, Matthew 5, 16, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Is your life giving them anything to glorify God over? Are you a John the Baptist? Are you going to be this morning like a Herod, like a King Herod, who is being convicted 
and is choosing. He is, be, he, is being, he is being convicted and the light is turned on. And, and he chose, and we'll see this later, not to do anything with the light that he got. To ignore it. To push it aside. And then I believe we'll also see, if you look at the later accounts of Herod's life, you, do no, you no longer see conviction in the life of Herod anymore. The, the, the Lord is, is not going to guarantee you a second moment of conviction if you will not do anything with the first one that He gives you. There may be some of you here this morning that the Lord is convicting you of your need to be born again. And He's turning the light on. He's, he's gave you a guilty verdict. You know that you're a sinner. You know you need to be saved. And He's turned the light on this morning and who you can trust in to be saved. What's stopping you from being saved? If there's anything, anything in this world stopping you from being saved, it's what our text just spoke about. It's your love for darkness. It's your love for your sin and the sins you don't want to put away to accept Jesus in your life. Can I encourage you this morning? Don't let any pet sin take you to hell. Trust Jesus this morning. And saint of God, whatever the Lord may be dealing with your heart about, and I believe God uses conviction for the heart of a, of a, of a Christian as well. Don't turn a deaf ear to his voice of conviction. Accept what he's telling you today as a true fact, as the light of God in a dark area of your life, and accept the light this morning. Amen. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.